This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 50, Funeral Mist. This episode brought to you by the Ajna Offensive. Visit theajnaoffensive.com where you can purchase all the music you're about to hear in this podcast.
Welcome to the Requiem Metal Podcast. You just heard... Sword of Faith. By Funeral Mist from the uh, fantastic Maranatha record. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I've did a little research. I think you are. I think you are. And, uh, and uh, Happy Easter. Yeah, Merry, Merry, Merry Easter. <laughs> we're we're reigning in the uh, the wonderful resurre- or, yeah, resurrection of Christ yep. and ascension to heaven. Ascension to heaven. With uh, one, of, one of the most blasphemous bands we could ever <laughs> imagine. Uh, and it's, it's kind of... Uh, Weird because we actually didn't plan it that way. We just sort of decided that Funeral Miss was going to be the first of the podcasts that we recorded today. And yeah, just and it's going to happen to go up on uh, Easter. Yeah. Easter. Happy, Easter evening. Happy accident. Yeah. So, and we're actually recording it on Good Friday, the day of crucifixion. <laughs> so, ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Funeral Miss would think it was a Good Friday. I guess. I guess so. But uh, yeah. Anyways, it's it's been a few weeks since uh, you and I have gotten together, and we've gotten some pretty good feedback from uh, some of the podcasts, some of the the new. New yeah, types of ways that we've been kind of going with. Uh, we've got lately. some Twitter things back about uh, people really liking the Nagafar record Diabolical, which yeah. you know that's cool. If you know that's your first go, but uh, sure. and it's one that you and I, well, especially myself, I didn't pick that one up till I didn't pick last. it up till I don't know five six years ago or something, yeah. and it was just kind of very dissection esque. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got feedback from a couple of people too, uh, a couple of fans saying that the. Skydancer podcast in particular is one of their favorites, and there was a guy who, who oh, yeah. thanked us for forcing him to buy the who's record. Getting, yeah, who's getting a little bit pissed off because we keep making him spend all his money on metal. But hey, w- right. w- what else is there to spend money on, really? In this troubled times, exactly, metal always delivers. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we appreciate the uh, the feedback. So you know, please please do give us feedback because we do read it and we do kind of take into consideration when we're kind of formulating all this stuff. So. Um, but the band tonight is, uh, is returning to our favorite country, right? Sweden. I mean, we can't really get enough of this place, eh? Yeah. So yeah, Funeral Mist started out in the uh, early 90s. It's kind of like an Opeth scenario where uh, the the main guy that's in the band now, uh, Ariok, also known as Mortis from, uh, from, from Marduk. The last two records, right? Or his, uh, yeah, his civilian name is uh, Daniel Rostin. Very, uh, kind of, you know, that, that's what he... But we won't uh, refer to him by his... his uh, now, Ariok is what we'll call him exactly. on the show for... All intents and purposes, but yeah, he kind of came. Sort of like uh, Ekaroth will only refer to uh, Thomas from At the Gates as, as Necrolord. Oh, as Necrolord. <laughs> that makes sense. That's, that's, for, that's, that's, that's forever his name is Necrolord to, yeah. to Daniel Ekaroth in the Swedish death metal book. So, But yeah, Ariot came into uh, Funeral Mist early on in the demo uh, kind of age and ended up you know, starting out as a bass player and ended up kind of taking over the entire band and kind of molding it in his uh, in his image. Well, you're kind of we're kind of comparing it in a way to uh, to what sort of happened with Michael from Opeth, mm-hmm. in that Michael wasn't even an original member of Opeth, but yeah. yet he's sort of running the deal. You know, he's running the show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, or like Shane Embury, maybe from Napalm Death, was an original member of Napalm. Yeah, yeah but he's like, sort of like, like the he's like the most consistent member, you know, of all time, kind yeah. of there. So. Uh, and he's guitar player and vocalist and bassist, right? For, yeah, for and this. he uh, yeah does all the does he do the all the samples and, simple and things like that, synths and stuff like that. And uh, obviously, you just heard the blood, the blood, the blood, and uh, it's kind of the backdrop of the band is this sort of use of of church choral. Yeah, and he's Bible got like like televangelist and, stuff on yeah. like a song we'll hear later on, "Blessed Curse." That's just like it's a really good. I mean, I haven't heard this kind of like integration of. Uh, of sampling and stuff like since like old ministry stuff where it's actually done well and to effect to make 
make it even like more eerie and like uh, I guess more compelling than just having some you mm-hmm. know Exorcist sample or something that yeah. you know, anybody or could, Hellraiser you know yeah anybody could pull out like that. Dead, but this you know. this actually seems so much more apt to to have some televangelist then with this incredibly you know brutal searing music behind the thing mm-hmm. and like you know sort of faith is the the album opener and it's kind of like an appropriate you know way to sort of introduce the band and uh, you know it's it's interesting too because like these guys um so much of black metal has taken on kind of a a joke status through the years or or you know like a lot of the black metal guys have just sort of decided to not take themselves seriously anymore like mm-hmm. like dark throne or satiricon but yet they're still putting out good music but there's there's like every so often these few like you know these gems that emerge like a Despel Omega or a Watain or something Nakmistium yeah even Nakmistium I get like the- well they they've got definitely a little more tongue in cheek but there's something that's appealing about like especially Despel Omega and uh, Funeral Mist they're so they have such a mystique around them to begin with it it makes the music that much more you know kind of viable to me it was like like hearing that first hearing Blaze in the Northern Sky for the first time like man this is this is some scary stuff I don't know if these guys are you know. Yeah, or like in a Satana from Emperor for the first yeah. time. Like, whoa, something, you know, the coral surrounding it and the aura that it was sort of giving off was so... Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think I've heard anything since those original records outside of, you know, like the... Not the first couple Despel Omegas, but the one... I forget which one came out in like 03. Mm-hmm. Like the, the first one that kind of like really blew the doors off for me. And uh, and with Funeral Mist, I've only been listening to these guys for like a month. Yeah, <laughs> never never heard of him before. Uh, before this, you know, I've I'm probably more familiar with his work in Marduk mm-hmm. than anything. Which um, this was kind of, I mean, there. I guess apparently in my research, I've I've looked around. And people have talked about 2003 when Salvation came out, their uh, first full length record. Everybody's like, this is the second coming. This is huge huge deal. This guy's an absolute genius. Yeah, you know that that whole thing, which is usually kind of destiny to failure. And then, uh, so I, I, I never heard the record, and but I heard a distinct difference in Marduk. Um, what is it, Rom five twelve or five twelve, and then Plague uh, Plague Angel, Plague Angel, yeah. And that's where, yeah, once Legion, the previous vocalist, left for Marduk, I can really, especially on the newest Marduk record, mm-hmm. he's definitely got like interjected and given a, a whole new life to Marduk, a band that had been kind of like squandering for a while, really there. kind of boring and just sort of repetitive. In yeah, this just sort like of way. super speed, and now they they brought in another bass player as well, and that's. That that's been my first kind of exposure to uh, the Ariok or Mortis as he's known in uh, mm-hmm. in Marduk. But is is just you know the, he adds like a certain layer of I think atmosphere and I think you know obviously he honed his chops in a band like Funeral Mist mm-hmm. and we're gonna go back to the, the early stuff you know in a moment and and listen to kind of the progression that the band kind of took from the, their origins and stuff. But uh, yeah, he's not by any, he's no like virtuoso guitar mm-hmm. player by any means, but he has a really really like unbelievable way to to create atmosphere and and tension and just like. Just close your eyes and listen to this thing, and you just you just see brutality anytime mm-hmm. anytime when a song. Well, on. it's very unsettling. I mean, yeah. it's 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 kind of like um, those sort of mid period Gehenna releases, you know, like mm-hmm. Murder and and um, oh, through the veils of darkness and yeah, uh, uh, the one where the the guy's on the cover with the dead body and he's holding the gun. Oh, Marion Black. Yeah, Marion Black with Devil's Work. You yeah. know, like I, I think of Devil's Work when I think of like super unsettling like black metal, like black metal that works. You know, yeah, so much of black metal like. Like we said before, has sort of come across as very like theatrical. Mm-hmm. This to me seems like uh, an honest attempt to sort of create art. You know, yeah. he's trying to like soundscape different things to make and, the most like barbaric like Faust record he could possibly yeah, make or something. Exactly, you know, it's, it's got definitely has more of a uh, you know the, the term avant garde black metal is thrown out a lot, 
but there's only I think a handful of bands that actually really encapsulate that mm-hmm. you know because the avant-garde to me always means something that's a little bit outside like I wouldn't really throw Knock Mystium into that they're and when there's a sense of humor there's to like it, just psychedelic black metal or something. Yeah, there, there's know? it doesn't really hold the same the same kind of uh, impact for me. But like you know, the Deathspell Omega stuff and these guys for sure is just yeah, it, it totally transports you back like you know black metal did for me in like you know sure. '90s. And you go back to like albums like that, those first couple Art Tourist records, which were pretty unsettling in a weird mm-hmm. way. You know, there's that one song in uh, Aspira where like it's all vocals recorded backwards and stuff. Yeah, remember it. You could hear like the record sort of. Yeah, like wasn't uh, like Vebion Zenda and stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, just the stuff that was absolutely bizarre. Even like, like the first, guard first, and, you know, first Ulver was like yeah. really strange. You know, you had the guy running through the woods and then like the cannon firing in the middle of the sign. I mean, it was just like yeah. it was music that's to sort of unsettle you out of your. Well, this is yeah, almost comfortability what Artur, or not Arcturus, but what Ulver's done since when they've gone this more, uh, you know, tech not techno but more electronic route mm-hmm. is uh, you know like really like. Okay, black metal doesn't have to be this, but it has to evoke this kind of feeling. That's yeah. that's got to be unsettling thing. and things yeah. like that. And so I think that was sort of the the breath of fresh air that that we got, like listening to this stuff. And I know you yourself have, have you know, like um, you got a hold of this because Albert uh, from Decibel sent it to you because you had to do the illustration for the, well, he, the he, issue. He pointed me in the direction of where I could find it. Oh, okay. We'll put it that there way. There you go. Okay, because you had to do the the art for the lead review, right? Yeah. In the new desk. Yeah, that was the first time I ever heard it, and that's that was kind of nice. There's not. It's not often once you've been listening to stuff forever, and with I don't really follow uh, a whole lot of like web forums or anything too often because I, I just don't have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it was really nice to get something that I'd never. I had no preconceived notion of it all threw it on not expecting anything and really really enjoying it yeah and you you told me right away and i think i grabbed salvation which is the mm-hmm. the second full length by them which we'll we'll be listening to here in a moment but first um, actually the first full length was it for, oh yeah because devil, devil, devil reason EP. ep yeah that's right um but you know like i i think i grabbed that and listened to it and i was like oh you know i kind of had like a despel omega vibe and that sort of thing but i i couldn't get a a hold of uh maranatha for for you know until like really like a week ago i finally <laughs> like sat down with this record so i'm relatively new to it so so mark's you know kind of you know like you said he's been into it for a month but that's really about three weeks <laughs> longer than i have been into it but um you know the first thing that struck me right away was that sort of that death spell omega feel for sure you know and they're a band that's probably you know due for a podcast down the road mm-hmm. um but you It'll know. be a while down the road because this this is a, a, quite a bit of uh, pummeling for some. Well, yeah, handle. exactly, and that's that's the one thing we want to say is you know this might not be your cup of tea right off the bat, but for those of you that have maybe found like a record um, or have been able to say appreciate like something like Transylvanian Hunger or something where or like some of the early Ulvers which were pretty noisy and chaotic at yeah. times, and see that there's there's kind of like ingenious like you know like you said avant-garde artistry to all of it and that it's not just chaotic for the sake of like annoying the listener that there's actually like some well, no, statements I, being made and some some different you know artists there's, there's a lot of harmony and a lot of melody uh, but it's all veiled under this this you know layer of noise yeah yeah it's almost like if you can cut through the some of the chaos to to get to the heart of what what the music's sort of doing then like you're, you're yeah it's almost like yeah like watching the old television on static just to see when you can see certain key things pop through but after a while it you know it just it becomes something you see automatically or hear it's, automatically yeah yeah so hopefully you won't get engulfed in, in it too much uh to the point where like you have to turn it <laughs> off you know We've actually cut. We've limited it down to a, like lesser songs than what we normally do, in mm-hmm. hopes of like just sort of you know wetting the palate a little bit, rather than like 
you know, just bludgeoning over the head. Well, yeah, and I'd re- I definitely, if this is like sparking your interest at all, I'd definitely recommend going out either get the CD or the LP because the the 128 kilobit stream that we have for for the podcast does not do a lot of stuff justice. It's not really super well produced with a really even EQ. This stuff is incredibly high gain, Mm -hmm. but it does. Yeah. It's still the, um, I forget who the producer was on this, but it's, it's produced not in the way that, uh, you know, like Transylvanian hunger, some of those really grim, Records are well, there's produced. A warmth, there's there base, is a, there's a warmth. There's, there's an organic feel yeah. out of anything. There's a really organic feel to all this stuff. It doesn't come across as uh, like if Dim Borger does a sample or keyboard lines. It seems very like symphonic, over the top, kind it's of like, bombastic. Yeah, or like just very like digital. Like you, you can tell yeah. it's like click tracked and you know like yeah, this thing could have been totally recorded in the 1970s. <laughs> and, and to me, like it, you know, it does have this weird loose kraut rock almost feel to it's it. It's got that kind of, I think, mindset yeah. to how it's arranged. It's, it's Or even like the, the John Cage or, or just something where, where you could tell this is someone who like set set out with a purpose or a plan in terms of like making confrontational art that's going mm-hmm. to, you know, it's like um, I I almost see this like as more like cinematic music in a way, you know, it's like... It's the, really evocative imagery. As soon as you hear it, it's it automatically you know, without even looking at like the, uh, the LP booklet has some pretty uh, over the top, you know, mm-hmm. imagery and yeah, stuff, which, which adds to the experience. But it, it's so rich in itself without just just hearing the MP3 files. It, it yeah. totally paints a picture of this world for you. And it, it reminds me of like the the kind of feeling you would get if you watched like uh, a Godard film or like Pasolini or some of these like you know avant garde '60s like film directors who made like movies that were very unsettling you know mm-hmm. like where you didn't come away very comfortable but you had a, sort of like a lasting image of it or, or something yeah. or um yeah, yeah and I, I don't want to paint do the throw around the genius tag i just think he's a, a I, reaction I think he's doing some interesting he's things, doing really interesting know? stuff for extreme metal and the the genius tag is a uh that's something that's thrown so yeah it doesn't mean anything anymore i, I wouldn't was, go that far i mean the guy took what six years to make it this yeah, he, was doing, he was doing Marduk that's records in, in between so we'll cut a but but I, I think you know the people that automatically pan him as be, you know because he got a lot of uh i guess critical acclaim in 2003 they're not they're kind of missing the point of thing just like it's not about you know popularity or the necessarily the imagery or this guy's personal persona, but just their personal persona. That's kind of redundant. <laughs> his uh, his uh, public persona. I think it just just like let you know if the music affects you, then what's wrong with just having that be it? Yeah. Don't get caught up in the politics of the whole thing. So we're gonna go back to the uh, the early days. Um, from uh, you're gonna hear a song from Devilry, which what year was that put out? Was like like ninety ninety eight or 98, something. Ninety eight, ninety nine. And that was just a, a five or six song EP, correct? Yeah, and the new ones, or the reissue of it has some demo tracks and stuff okay. on it as well. Okay, and this is a tune uh, aptly titled Funeral Mist. Yeah, which and is always my favorite when you can do Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden. <laughs> exactly, <you know. laughs> man. It's the show closer. And it, it's sort of, um, it, it'll, it'll sound, I don't want to say stock or pedestrian, but I mean, it will definitely fits in the late 90s sort of black metal kind of aesthetic, you know, that was going on. Yeah, but, it's going but, back to a little bit more of the grim stuff, but it's a little bit, it's not as diverse as stuff that was happening in say sort of faith or yeah. other stuff that's on Maranatha. Yeah. But the other thing that you'll hear predominantly in it is it's it's definitely got like kind of the backdrop of kind of a classic Swedish, you know, black death kind of riff. Mm-hmm. Like uh you would have heard like on an unanimated dissection Dawn or, or yeah. Nagelfar record or something like that. And obviously, you know, Marduk at times would have that, but Marduk was usually going so fast that they never had room for that sort of Swedish melody to 
grow into some of their songs as much as yeah, I would have liked to have heard Their later it. records kind of just suffered from almost the, the Dark Funeral syndrome. Yeah. Where it was just too fast. so fast. It's exactly. like there's nothing else to do. Which I can't remember. Did you mention the Dark Funeral connection? That, that some no, of the, the one of the guitar members. players, the original, I think it was the original guitar player from, yeah, might have been. Start uh, with a T. Was his name like Typhus or something like that? I don't have his name in front of me. but a Black Metal Scholar, I'm sorry. Yeah, but he... Yeah, he went on to Dark Funeral after... Like I think he actually before Devilry came out, he quit. Yeah, yeah. So, and that it basically became this guy's band along with the drummer. It was the Iriac show and Necromorpus yeah. is the drummer. Sweet. So we're gonna hear uh, we're gonna hear Funeral Mist, which is the title track, and then we're gonna hear uh, a pairing of songs from their first full length, which is Salvation, uh, Perdition's Light, and Son of Hope. And, and in particular, I think um, there's five years in between Devilry and Salvation, so obviously his it's it's pretty obvious when you hear the the difference. Yeah, you'll you'll hear a lot more use of samples and a lot more just the the music's more integrated and more complex. In variation of vocals, I mean that's that's one thing this guy used. That was like one of the I remember reading an interview with Marduk where they're like uh, talking about his like what he's bringing to the band is like he's bringing his vocals not as not as just a vocal element but it's an instrument because he goes all over the map with just bizarre sounding almost like early early immortal stuff mixed with. You know, he means shrieks and cats. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a just, yeah, like a black metal version of Mike yeah. Patton or something. Yeah, his, his that's, a, that's a good way of sort of putting it. You'll hear that a lot more when, when, in the next set after this when he starts to really diversify some things. So, um, Funeral Mist, Perdition's Light, and Son of Hope from Funeral Mist. Enjoy. Yeah. The beast will not destroy 
that was Son of Hope, Perdition's Light, and then the, the name track, <laughs> Funeral Mist. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, the last couple tunes we heard, they were from Salvation, which we talked a little bit about before we came into break. But uh, the the last tune in particular, Son of Hope, that, that one stands out to me. Um, you can probably talk a little bit more about Perdition's Light, but... Um, that Son of Hope tune is just filled with all these like different kind of like you know at the end there you hear the sort of whips and like screaming from torture and like all these different things and the choral chants mm-hmm. and one of the things you mentioned that you've read up about uh, on the on this band and uh, on Ariok and also Morgan from Marduk is where they sort of gain a lot of their sources of inspirations for like the lyrics and the aesthetics of it. Yeah, it was like the uh, what do they call it as the. Uh they're influenced by like the darkness and brutality of like the Old Testament, <laughs> which is really cool. You know, yeah, way. they're both. Are, I think at least Morgan considers himself like a Bible scholar as far as you know pulling that kind of stuff out of it. Not that they're, uh, I mean, you know, know thy enemy kind of thing. I guess. Yeah, I guess. But uh, no, it's an. I think it's an interesting thing to pull out this more. Uh, you know, King James kind of weird, old, archaic, uh, mm-hmm. like how how, br- how brutal the whole Christian religion was at the point, and to some effect, could still be you know it can still be felt. Sure, but it's 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 it, for me, it's more interesting as a listener to to hear stuff that's more rooted in some kind of history or reality that's then completely like you know just praise, praise the Lord Satan that and stuff that seems kind of ridiculous and hokey like venomous. Yeah, it's very. It's very childish. It's like anti-Levay kind of stuff. This is like somebody that, okay, they're honestly, if he's not a Satanist, he's at least totally against, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church or whatever, mm-hmm. or the, the whole, uh, you know, kind of establishment. But they're obviously doing their research. It's not just somebody out there putting not, on face paint and being a fool. It's not like, yeah, 18-year-old teenagers who are just like, you know, yeah. this, this would be cool <laughs> to, like, be against this. You know, these yeah. are you know, fairly intelligent people, and they kind of know. Well, and I think it adds a little know. bit more validity to the, to the you know, the whole genre of, of black metal when it's not as, uh, it's not like a carnival sideshow act or anything. It's, okay, these, if... If these people have their opinions about it, fine. They're like they're completely well read on it, and they're doing their own. They're creating their own aesthetic out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you heard a really nice contrast musically. I think too, mm-hmm. between Perdition's Light and Son of Hope. Uh, Perdition's Light to me like had more of that almost like apocalyptic, chaotic, razor sharp kind of black metal thing that you hear like in the the middle era, maybe of like uh, it's got almost like stuff. a Shadow Throne kind of feel, but it's more layered. Yeah, more layered than like Sturkan's always been kind of based around like simple, effective melodic riffs. Yeah, this is like yeah, you're this right. is like three or four different levels coming in, and there's always that the overarching noise mm-hmm. beyond it. There's even like in um, oh the White Stone track that we'll hear in a little bit off the new record. They actually leave in like amp hiss. Oh yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. that totally kind of during amp. that part where it kind of levels out. And yeah, gets it was just real a quiet. Dunk. Yeah, you can yeah. hear the the amp hiss and so, uh, those kind of like things where they they're they're managing to like record this thing like not maybe technically perfect but like from an audio standpoint it's just like so interesting this, the, well, the textures that, and stuff it gives it that seventies vinyl analog kind of feel yeah. where you can hear like the the just the wisps of the record you know player mm-hmm. and different things like that oh yeah you know? kind of the approach again going back to. Uh, it's kind of odd to make two Opeth references on a funeral miss show, but kind of the same approach Michael takes to like how he records like the acoustic guitars and leaving any string noise in, stri- you know, finger slides and string yeah. noise. Yeah, and I think stuff that's like yeah, that. I think that's totally admirable. I, I think with technology today, you've you've got to go back to what what worked to begin with, and when everything is so spit and polished, and it's like a um, 
oh what's that that completely bombastic over the top uh dragon force oh yeah yeah. when yeah. it's like that or like a blind guardian record as much as i enjoy a blind guardian record sometimes i just like to hear something that sounds real <laughs> well it's it's in a, in a way it's like um you know if we're talking about kind of you know history and european history kind of stuff here you know you got uh and i'll go i'm about to go all history teacher on your asses out there it's all right but uh <laughs> everybody needs to learn a little bit during during the like mid to late 1700s throughout like especially france and and england and stuff there was this whole like movement towards like rationality and science and, and all this stuff is called the enlightenment period and you know john locke rousseau mm-hmm. uh voltaire all these sort of guys and out of that this sort of like idea of like perfection and and like you know prove everything prove everything grew like the anti-enlightenment movement which was romanticism which was a return back to simplicity and nature and like kind of like almost a rejection of technology a rejection Mm -hmm. of the industrial revolution and like go back to like the roots of nature and in a way like as as like technology as technology I don't know. It's like technology does like digitizes music more and more. And well, it's it coming to every empty. It's becoming you know? every aspect of, of recording anymore. Mm-hmm. There's some digital component to it. There's very few people that can completely go analog anymore. I mean, it's just it's like a fact of you know the industry now. It's made things easier, but it's also kind of taken a little bit of life out of yeah out of it's things. It's sort so. of soulless in a way. So it's all. I think it, this is like with any art form. With you know with uh, the comics work I do. I do a lot of stuff uh, using the computer, but I always try to go back to the original point of, okay, how was this originally done so I understand the aesthetic and it's not purely just, okay, I'm going to use this filter in Photoshop to make this look like this. I want to know how this actually works so I can try to replicate that as much as possible. Well, that and the, it's the imperfections that sort of give personality yeah. to everything. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I mean, you're even seeing it in like film, you know, like you had like sort of this like peak of like Hollywood, like digital like special effects kind of thing that came in like the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. i think with the the george lucas of of sort of every you know <laughs> phantom menace is like the prime example of like a cold empty film you know it looks oh, great but it like it lacks sort of a soul it has no heart at all yeah. and, and then you you kind of see this sort of counter reaction that's been going on with like you know 28 days later and movies where they're like picking up a digital camera and like just Even running through the woods and like it creates like yeah this like a, a movie I nature, saw last know? night uh, quarantine is completely shot from the point of view of a reporter following or a cameraman following a reporter so there's all this kind of you know BS moments of them just you know shooting the crap and talking and uh-huh. um, but you never ever see it from another perspective it's oh it's you know like the, like the Blair Witch style but yeah. it's not it doesn't make you throw up when you watch it because of the <laughs> yeah you know the disorientation the, of the whole thing the shake cam yeah. but yeah like using digital ca- digital uh, stuff to that effect I think is fantastic when you can actually just break it down to the simplest thing that makes it makes it more of a portal portable like medium you don't have to have a whole crew exactly following these people around kind of thing and i mean i don't know i, I doubt that this was recorded like analog specifically but it, it sounds like it may have been recorded at least live in studio you know where where you know some or at least of that at feeling least, is there you know yeah because it does it has there's not like an antiseptic quality to this mm-hmm. at all like with some more symphonic black metal acts that seem borger cradle filth you know these bands that sort of have, it's you know. uh, yeah especially with with cradle it's almost become you go into this in the studio it's a formula one two three you, you scream you, you put in some romantic passage and there you go yeah, this seems much more auteur theory kind of thing yeah. where 
where he's in the studio or, or he's just doing it in his own house for weeks at a time layering stuff i mean it's like mm -hmm. a you know a kevin shields kind of approach to, yeah, exactly. to recording or something and it's it's sort of the same thing that like early emperor kind of did so well i thought yeah you know, for, for you know i mean whereas dark throne was like stripped down and simple like emperor you know like isan would always talk about wanting to record music as like symphonies where instead of the instruments all like being located in different spots mm -hmm. it's it's taking one layer of music and putting like eight different layers on Build top upon of another it. yeah and so like buried deep inside you could on, on sometimes like hear guitar solos that you didn't mm -hmm. hear the first five or six times you listen to like anthems at the welcome at dusk you know like yeah there's some crazy stuff going on that record but until i put it on headphones and like you know broke into it it was very tough and well, i think after that record they kind of went a little astray as far as the recording went. they got way too self-indulgent oh and yeah. that's that's always the the issue with with bands is like knowing when to like rein it in a little bit before you. when well, i think too part crazy. of what and not to turn to the emperor thing but i think part of what happened is like it became the isan project mm -hmm. you know and, and the, he didn't have sam out there to sort of balance him out and that yeah, sort of stuff yeah. and argue and uh that sort of stuff but you know you'll hear it like on a song like uh you know like jesus saves which we're, we're about to hear here in a moment where I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't this a song where there's like a guitar part that's like really technical, but it's like buried super deep in the mix? Yeah, you can times? you can barely even hear it. Yeah, it's but just like if you really tune in, it's like at the two minute or three minute mark, like it's there, you know, mm -hmm. like going strong. I think it's in this song. I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's like I think it's just yeah, it's like a straight up like just almost rock style solo, but it's yeah. buried so low in the mix it just kind of it adds a little bit of texture kind of to what's there underneath a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, but um. Anyways, the the song we heard too, um, you know, "Son of Hope." This this last tune, so we can kind of get back to uh, the newer record. Kind of had this sort of mid paced uh, Bathory groove kind of going for it. Mm -hmm. So you had like the the utter like razor sharp speed of Perdition's Light, but they can also kind of do the the sort of mid paced kind of like traditional black metal groove. But then instead of going the traditional route, then they layer it with all these sort of like whips and torture. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. So it's it's nothing ordinary, that's for sure. So. Now, uh, you know, we're going to turn back to the to the newer record, the, you know, Maranatha. Maranatha. Yeah. Gosh, say that five times fast. That's, I, that's I had to look it up on, on like, uh, online to find out exactly how to pronounce it because it's a, it's an Aramaic word for one and, you know, dialect, the dialect's probably changed. I don't, I'm probably, you know, making the, the horrible uh, Midwesterner <laughs> incarnation of this, but... Uh, Hey, it's it's good we're talking about Aramaic on the the day celebrating. Hey, there you Easter, go. You know? It all it all comes together exactly. And Jesus saves, which is the next song we're going to hear. But uh, tell us, you know, what the, what's the title mean? Because you were you were kind of poking around to, to sort of see oh, what yeah, the, the, that uh, whole reference was. Maranatha. We didn't bring this, no, I didn't bring this up at the original. I, I Our Lord has come, right? Is what it means. Our Lord has come, but it was also used as a um, as almost like a curse. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let him be anathema, anathema marantha, or marantha, an exceptional curse. Whoa. So basically, if you don't follow the Lord, then you be damned, buddy. Dang. <laughs> so it's like the podcast we did not too long back with Hooded Menace, the blessed curse. This yes. Sort of the, the same kind of thing. Maybe Hooded Menace the and, exceptional curse. and Funeral Mist should do a, do a little tour together. <laughs> there so. you go. And uh, didn't you say like they use some of the same visuals in some of the vinyl, too, that uh, Hooded Menace do with the Tomb of the Blind Dead and some of the horror movie stuff was that these guys you were talking about? oh yeah yeah they've got uh it's it's like the knights templar movies the uh, yeah tombs of blind dead there's, so they, a, there's so like the, a picture of them marching and so funeral mess hooded medicine cathedral should do like the the <laughs> yeah, like the, the, <laughs> the three ultimate, phases of doom or something well, yeah. the three phases of uh tomb of the blind dead tour or something yeah know, but anyways the 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 record itself has 
all these different sort of forms of of black metal really like there's not any song that's like consistent together in a way mm-hmm. um well yes if that makes sense I, I well know salvation was saying. people are some of the reviews i've read online and stuff people are kind of like they said they're let down for uh for the newer record that it's not you know it's not like you know cult or true enough yeah or whatever. it's not as in your this this has more it like an indie quality to yeah, it yeah it really it like really breathes more it's just as you know barbaric and over the top as the as the last records but yeah, it really has a chance to breathe every once in a while, which I think is important for anything. This, mm-hmm. if you want to have repeat listens, I, you know, I've I've listened to the record probably twenty five times. And to me, it's like the the difference between uh, this latest Nakmistium and then uh, the one previous, which was sort of more muddy and kind of buried. Uh, was abstract nihilism, or I can't remember what the heck that's yeah, called. I, yeah, I don't. It's remember. got the green cover on it. It's, it's bad from, head looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Like a lot of people could have been maybe turned off of the commerciality or like the. The catchiness, in a way, mm-hmm. or the uh, of this newer Nakmistium, which was allowed to breathe a little bit and bring in some more psychedelic elements and indie elements and things, but still keep a black metal aesthetic. The whole yeah, time, I think anybody know? that wants the same thing over and over again, there's other bands you can go to for that. Yeah, and it's just as an art, like you know, if, as a musician, I would not want to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, look at bands like, you know, Catatonia that cons- consistently, re- uh, you know, reinterpret and reinvent yeah. themselves. And then you have bands like Bride, uh, My Dang Bride, who end up just kind of, you know, it's a, it's a slight refinement through the mm-hmm. process, which is cool. But w- with the whole black metal thing, I thought this was done with everybody, you know, jumping on the bandwagon with like, oh, you're not true enough. And, yeah. And all this crap. It's like, it's just, it's music for music's sake, in my opinion. If, if, if this was done by some kind of like, you know, Christian band, I would still be touting its praises. So. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's really kind of unfortunate that it's kind of gone that way, but, uh, I don't know. And that's the, metal's always had that weird rivalry within itself. I think so. And now, yeah, I mean, you're talking like, these guys are like third, fourth generation black metal almost, you know, the fact their first record didn't come out till 98, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Like, why would anyone put that expectation that you have to be, like, cult if you're, like, putting records out in 2009? You know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It was 20 years ago, you know, like, when the whole mayhem cult thing sort of started. But anyways, we won't won't turn this into a soapbox too much. (laughs) But we're going to hear a a trio of tunes coming up, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about them. But the first one we'll talk about, just because you're about to hear it, is is Jesus Saves. And this is a longer tune. It's, you know, a little over eight minutes, although we might kind of fade it down a little bit. Um that, that's the one one thing I want to mention real quick is that is uh, you know c- certain songs you can fade out when it starts to go to a different mm-hmm. you know if it kind of like peters out toward the end but I've been really it's been I've been really hard pressed to actually cut any of the samples out because it really adds to the flavor of the song and, it, and it's sort of like the same way that like um, you know Isis or Magwai or Neurosis needs it, it you know it gets repetitive with some of the riffs but there's a necessary like evil in that like they're they're doing it for a reason it's not just because they're bored and they don't know what else riffs to play it's very conceived that way yeah it's that anticipation of some like that they give you a tiny little bit of a catchy riff Mm -hmm. and then they do this repetitive 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 and then finally pay off a little bit or they don't pay off at all so it's almost this like you're on the edge of your seat all the time it's like the george lynch solo (laughs) just building up to that every song sorry there you go but uh (laughs) you know exactly it's it's that sort of thing and so what what this sort of builds into um is is like this breakdown about four minutes in where we are you know we're kind of picking our brains over and over again as to what this like sort of indie uh kind of distorted picking it almost reminds me of is like uh I don't know when the last time you listened to Four Carnations are, oh, okay. or, but they had this aesthetic. Which he was from Slint too. It was Dave Pajo. Yeah, from, they had this thing Slint, like right? I guess their whole deal was they tried to play 
they had the, their amps and their guitars turn up as loud as possible, but they tried to play as quiet as possible. So I had this, you hear every little weird picking it's like inference. The, and it's almost like the distortion pedal is like on overdrive, but yet they're not playing very They're like, trying hard. to play really delicate. Yeah. So you get all this weird noise and stuff. It, it gives me that kind of aesthetic. And it totally reminds me, speaking of the new Knock Mystium, it kind of has that sort of feel too. Yeah, it does. You know, so... Anyways, it's a cool tune. There's a lot of different things going on. It's going to start fast as hell, and then it's going to break down <laughs> and, and, and kind of get into some different different areas. So enjoy Jesus Saves, and then we'll follow that up with Living Temples and White Stone, which we'll talk about when we come back.
Welcome back. That was White Stone, Living Temples, and Jesus Saves. Every time I with hear an exclamation that. point. Yeah, with, oh, I forgot that. That, 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 that differentiates it from the Slayer song. Exactly. I was going to say, it's so not to confuse it with <laughs> Slayer's Jesus Saves. So, Yeah, but, not at all in the same Yeah, not at league, all. But. In, in fact, Jesus Saves in a way, like I, is, I think that's the tune uh, that reminds me a little bit of, it's got a Vader feel to it in terms of some of his vocals a little bit. Oh, like uh, God is dead, hallelujah, kind of. Yeah, just Jeremy not even that, but just like the the way he sings reminds me a lot of like Peter. Kind mm-hmm. of, I don't know. He's, he's yeah, vibe, he's all over the map on his, his he, vocal approach. Yeah, his vocal pretty are interesting, pretty awesome, crazy. But uh, uh, the last couple of songs you heard there, like White Stone, that's that's got this real like indie meets black lava kind of yeah, like black metal uh, anthemic. Almost kind of yeah, and the yeah the song we're gonna close out with "Blessed Curse" is like, you know, one of the ultimate. It's like it'd be like the best like slow jogging song ever. Yeah, we were talking about because it's the same beat for like you know ten ten eleven minutes you know more or less and it yeah and it it, it, it it's totally indicative of uh, of uh, you know visuals too like with video I, as soon as I hear the thing I could you know I can almost see like some like death spiritual healing kind of cover with some uh, some televangelist up there like you know saying one thing and having like you know horrible pictures of brutality yeah know? like genocide in the background yeah, and stuff yeah. like that almost like you know, yeah like an old like, grindcore cover or exactly. something you know that's that's the, the kind of images it evokes for me but yeah. I, I i think the song's fantastic and uh not not to ignore the middle uh child in that set <laughs> living temples just uh, the only thing i wanted to say is hopefully you guys creeped out as i did the first couple times i heard it from the the Almost mid, like the Asian-sounding female voice section. in it. Yeah, it's very, it's like, really eerie. Middle Eastern chanting or, like, I don't know if it's Aramaic again, but it's it clearly doesn't sound like English. No. It reminds me of, like, like when you hear, like, the demon talking uh, in, or, like, you remember the beginning of The Exorcist when they're in the Middle East? Yeah. And there's, like, this creepiness when he walks into that, the, like, the demon first, like... I want to... Um, Pazumuma or Pazumu? Pazuzu. Pazuzu, yeah. I get that like sort of weird feeling, you know, from it, like just creeped out about it. I don't know. There's... Well, and the way that, that they incorporate the that sample, or if it's actually somebody recording it, doesn't, I, I haven't seen anything, you know, saying that it is, but mm-hmm. uh, the way that's that's arranged with the music, it's so, like, all these, uh, you know, all these bizarre tones, everything just kind of really is so evocative of, you know, just creepy-ass imagery. Exactly, just unsettling, <laughs> unsettling music, yeah. you know. And, that's... and which is, you know, I haven't really heard an unsettling record since... Uh, you know, like some of the old Gehenna stuff. Yeah, it's it's been a while, or you know, Death Spell. But Beyond yeah. Dawn used to like uh, kind of be a little bit like weird at times in in its own right. Um, yeah, there there's this more pre pre electric sulking stuff like the. It wasn't quite so sinister, but it was almost this uh, this like kind of peyote nightmare kind of thing. More yeah. more so than like this, you know, being like stuck in the catacombs and yeah, France being you know run around by zombie priests or something yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, know the, the, the sort of hellraiser kind of like you're getting yeah. tortured and hung up and like you know spikes are going to be nailed in you kind of and pleasure and pain indivisible yeah. yeah exactly but uh you kind of going back to this last tune blessed curse uh it's it's more or less i mean it, i don't want to call it an instrumental because his vocals do sort of dive and weave in at times uh but, but it's more of a kind of an instrument than really him saying exactly. anything and it's really driven like you said by like just samples after sample that's sort mm-hmm. of the vocal lines in it you know yeah I mean, it's um it's a sort of like 10 or 11 minute like progression or like tone poem on like evangel you know televangelism or, or like you know just preaching in general you know blessed yeah. curse 
you know, here we go again with what the meaning of the, the, the <laughs> title of the record is. And uh, to me, one of the things that I kind of pick up on this song and on others too is this real like primordial guitar tone. And you were joking yeah. that I might be thinking that only because of the guy from Primordial sings on the new Marduk, which has on that some, one track, yeah. uh, has some similarities to Funeral Mist, you know, in a way. And and it might be true. So maybe I'm hearing like that sort of like. But I, yeah, I don't necessarily hear it in the the arrangement, but the guitar tone itself reminds me of old Primordial that that buzz. Yeah, and just even like sort of the like how Primordial's version of black metal was like unlike anyone else's because it sort of had that Gaelic like paganistic aspect to it that was. Irish, you know. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't harsh in the sense of Transylvanian hunger harsh, but it was it was harsh with a, with other like sonic elements that mm-hmm. weren't necessarily what you thought of when you. It still was creepy. Yeah, yet it yeah. was like it was creepy on its own terms, yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. So that's one thing to kind of kind of be listening to uh, as as this one sort of sort of fades out and closes out. But uh, anyways, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed Funeral Mists. Is you know they're they're definitely a band worth taking an interest in uh mm-hmm. i think just because they're they're doing something different and, and that's i think the hype looking for yeah the, the hype that they've gotten is, is well worth it i don't know about you know if, if you're into music for music's sake i think definitely check it out if you're into music because it's uh, a status symbol on how how cult your black metal can be then you know i don't know if it's for you i, I don't know yeah i don't know what your criteria for, <laughs> for music is so i could see actually like uh you know like it, my buddy Trevor used to play in Red Shirt Brigade. Like I can almost see him like having like a weird sense of appreciation from this because he was such a. Uh, I mean, he liked the Krautrock stuff so much and noise mm-hmm. so much, and he was also like a huge Brian Wilson like Pet Sounds guy. Yeah, which is all about like interweaving soundscapes on top of each other. Like, well, so yeah, the My Bloody Valentine Love List before exactly. That record, he, you know? he loved all that sort of stuff too. So I, in a way, like I could find like there could be some indie like fascination with this. You know how some like of the. The, the pitchfork crowd kind of sometimes picks up on a black metal band like every couple of years yeah I could, I could see them this, getting this could be like that band you know in a way but anyways that's not for me to worry about <laughs> but uh, we hope you've enjoyed it uh, please uh, please do give us some feedback let us know like uh, what you thought of uh, the show if it was too chaotic for you too much or if you just enough if you liked it it's no two part enslaved but, yeah, uh, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that, that gave a couple people a headache but, yeah uh, and it probably gave us a headache after a while too you know it's a lot of yeah, enslaved. That, that is a lot of enslaved to, to listen you, to. you did say you listen to like these records one day all three back to back to back and kind of got well, a little for like headache right? yeah for probably about five or six hours <laughs> and I, again i was staring at the computer you know doing some some freelance design stuff and yeah i i definitely had a headache i needed to have a little bit of breathing room every once in a while but um so the surgeon general says you know limit your funeral mist consumption (laughs) be careful be cautious listen to it on lp and often exactly but uh yeah send us an email at uh recommend podcast at gmail.com or uh check out the website uh drop us a comment you know yeah leave leave comments on itunes or on talk shoe and check out uh, requiem podcast dot com yeah as the uh the go-to place for all things requiem metal which is it's getting it's getting there, but there's a, it's a slow start getting everything rolling on it. So we're gonna have some more content here pretty soon. But uh, playlists and things like that. Yeah, you can bios, you can definitely yeah you can download. Uh, there's there's things. pretty good show notes and um, you know definitely area when we have a sponsor like we do for this episode, there will be plenty of uh, you know contacts directly from there where you can get stuff for the bands directly from the labels themselves. And we've been posting some you know uh, links to YouTube and stuff like that for videos and yep. different things like that. So, anyways, but. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, we hope you enjoy Blessed Curse as we head out. So for uh, Requiem Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And have a pleasant Easter and uh, enjoy Blessed Curse. I'm Martin. Yes.
This episode is brought to you by the Ajna Offensive. Visit theajnaoffensive.com where you can purchase all the music that you heard in this podcast. 